Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome. Today, my guest is Matt Imus, and Matt and I go back about 35 years. We went to high school together. Uh, welcome, Matt. Thanks for having or thanks for being with me tonight. Thanks, Brian. Uh, and it's always good talking with you, even though it's been like five years since I've talked to you, with you in, in the flesh. Um, I wish it was under more awesome circumstances. Um, but um, I wanted to sh- I wanted you to share life. Life happened to you about four months ago. And uh, I wanted you to just kind of just talk that through and, and tell me tell me what happened. So, well, you said as we go a long way back and we've caught up here and there and had some visits and um may 5th uh, my oldest son connor which was 17 at the time he would have turned 18 last month on the 16th um basketball player soccer player all around awesome student um he uh i actually gave him the day off of refing soccer he was supposed to ref soccer with me so he would come home during his free periods at school and take his dog Bella for a walk and take her usually to the dog park or somewhere else. And that was his ritual pretty much every, almost every day that he had time. Um, he was back and forth between two houses and Bella stayed with his mom. And um, the day of May 5th, he was supposed to ref soccer for me and I, he had done a bunch of games that week already for me and so I told him to take the day off and instead of taking the day off he picked up a shift at the golf course where he worked part-time as a cart boy and so it was mid-morning and he had called his sister and said he was going to take Bella for a quick walk before work <clears throat> which was pretty normal and um, his brother and sister and I were all up refing soccer that afternoon so we hadn't seen him he was supposed to work at two o'clock I had texted him, which I normally do um, during the day, and just saying hi and checking in and didn't respond, which wasn't normal for him. And um, he always hated this, but I pay the phone bills, so I've got all of the kids on location on the iPhones, just in case anything You're does such a happen. Mean dad. Jeez. So um, his location wouldn't pull up which sometimes if he puts it on airplay, that won't normally show. So it wasn't a huge deal um, until his mom got home and his brother went over to the house after JT was driving then and said, well, Bella's not home. I'm like, well, I don't think he would ever take her to work. And that was about four o'clock. His shift started at two. So we weren't super concerned. Um, Bothered me that I couldn't get his location. So... Uh, we were out at dinner while he was supposed to be finishing up his shift and I checked one more time and this was uh 545 PM on Sunday, May 5th. And his location finally popped up and it showed that his phone was 
out near the South Canal in Montrose, um, which these are adobes. Um, we've gone hiking there, riding our four wheelers and motorcycles and in an area where we used to go shooting. So it's an area he's pretty familiar with, but not super familiar with that area. Um, and so it was really weird that his phone would be there. So I called his mom and she went over to check at work and at six o'clock when she got there, one of his buddies is like, Hey, Mrs. Imus, where's Connor? He never showed up today. Um, she called me and from the location on the phone, I could see that he was, his phone was right next to the canal and where he went in. Um, the canal actually goes underground for about a quarter of a mile into a power plant holding pond. So, um, when she told me that he didn't show up, I, I knew right then because he was always responsible and on time everywhere he went and would never just not show up. So we immediately left, um, drove out looking for his car, couldn't find his car, couldn't find his car. Um, the ping on his phone was still showing right next to the canal and I, yeah. We drove right by it, didn't see it. And so about 20 minutes later, I'd taken another road up and he had parked where we used to go shooting at and walked about three quarters of a mile down the road with Bella. Um, The road next to the canal? um, It was a road out through the adobes, but it led down to, it led down to the canal. Um, I actually, (laughs) fall river days, um, I'd actually checked all the roads for tracks and couldn't find any car tracks, but I knew his phone was in the area somewhere um, and saw her prints in a mud puddle going towards the canal. So I walked back to the canal and um, right next to the edge, um, the area where he went in to what we're assuming is that it was a hot day and they were out jogging and she we think that she went in about a quarter of a, or probably a 10th of a mile up from um, where this canal goes into a tunnel and it goes down into an underground siphon about 60 feet down. And then it's underground for about three quarters of a mile. Um, we're thinking that she went in to cool off, take a swim like she used to always do in the water. And that as she got closer and closer to the siphon point, um, Connor was following along and he put his keys down and his phone down. And it was right then. I, I, I knew when he didn't show up for work that something was seriously wrong. And I obviously went to the worst. Um, but as soon as I saw his phone and his keys sitting right on next to the ledge of the canal. And it had about a two-foot lip that you would have to climb up and over and go down into the canal. <clears throat> So Brian, if you um, you know, if you if you picture a canal, normally you're slow moving water, fifteen twenty feet wide, earthen sides, you know, not a big deal. We all grew up with water and canals and lakes, and you'd go sure, swimming sure. in them. Um, but the area where this was at, that forty foot canal was now twelve feet wide and about twelve feet deep and running at 800 cubic feet a second. And you could hear the whirlpool. Um, 
you could see the whirlpool and the siphon point and you could hear it as the water would go down. Um, so I had my moments right then. Um, JT was with us and we made him go home and take care of his sister. And I called his mom and immediately called 911. Um, knowing that unfortunately would be a recovery, not a rescue. Um, they finally showed up and we're talking and they were going to do a, a sweep of the area and put drones out and heat seeking and all this other stuff. And I'm like, there's only two places that my son is. Um, his keys are here. His phone is here. His dog's not here. He's not here. Um, he is either down at the bottom of this up against grates. If this grated and if he's not, then he's down at this pond. Um, I, I knew a bunch of the rescue people. JT put out a Snapchat to his friends to pray for Vine and Connor. And within 20 minutes of JT's Snapchat, um, my phone was blowing up. We had people out on four-wheelers, um, people driving up, trying to come help but unfortunately I knew that there was nothing they could do so it took us probably two hours to figure out uh, to get a hold of the water company that there was no grate covering the siphon so we went down to the pond and, and by this time it was dark it was probably 9.30 um, close to 10 o'clock and we're down and they've got searchlights out and we're looking and calling and um, basically just standing around and praying and pleading with God and anybody else to find him. Um, hoping that he could hold his breath for four or five minutes. I don't know how long it would have taken him to go through that tunnel. Um, but then my immediate thought went to my, my best thought could have been that, you know, as he was struggling and fighting that when he went in and under that somehow he hit his head and lost consciousness and didn't feel any suffering. Uh, Cause that would be terrifying to drown. Oh yeah. I can't imagine. Um, so we were down at this holding pond and it was probably two to three acres in size and people are walking around with flashlights and looking and searching. And, um, it goes into a hydroelectric, small hydro plant with steel grates to cover so that no um, debris and things go in to the hydraulics. And it was about 1130 and I was just standing there and praying and looking and just terrified and, noticed that they had some hooks to pull all this debris out. Um, nobody was doing anything. So I grabbed one and I started pulling all this debris up and all this trash and rubble. And we, I spent probably half an hour doing that. Um, still the sheriffs and search and rescue were saying, you know, we've got to look everywhere else. There could be, you know, he could have walked off somewhere else and tripped or hurt himself. And I'm 
you know, this whole time I'm like, I know he didn't. Um, I know that that dog went into the water and he went in to save her. So at midnight, and I can remember this clear as day, um, one of the guys that I've coached with and his son's a few years younger than Connor and looks up to him. He was up with me and helping pull debris out and Bella popped up on the grate. So I actually pulled her out and she was obviously deceased. And then it was kind of, oh my gosh, you know what? You're right. He is probably in this water. Um, the way that the water rose goes and the way that the pond was, the current was so extremely swift. They didn't even feel safe putting a boat in at night. Um, so we spent from about 12 to 4 a.m. Um, trying to drag that grate even more. Once the, they shut the water off part way to see if they could dislodge Connor and have him pop up, hopefully. And that would that didn't happen. So they had uh, had a bunch of different plans that they could try to do for the next day or two, and we pretty much knew that it would be a recovery at that time. Um, I just spent the whole night um, backlog. About seven years ago, another guy had gone into the canal after his dog, and. Um, it took them 15 days to find him. And it was then I just started pleading with God of, I cannot wait 15 days. I can't do this. Uh, to um, not know. To, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I need my son back. And I knew at that time, I knew he was already gone. It was, but I needed to have his body back. And, that morning, they came in and told us that there was a, a bunch of things that they could do, and they were going to try to bring in underwater, you know, robotic subs and do sonar and everything else. But it would probably be a day or two. And um, I knew one of the sheriffs really well, and I just had told him, "I got, you know, I can't wait this long. Um, what else can we do?" And they're all, "Well, we can drain, we can drain the pond and divert it." And I'm like, okay, well, what are we waiting for? And um, about 10.30 that morning, they told me that they couldn't do it because they couldn't shut off the power um, because of the two power plants and the water company. Um, you know, we, we grew up in a small town, Brian, and everybody knows everybody. And um, one of the families that was with me, he, he's a lineman and works for one of the companies. And he's like, Matt, um, I'll shut this power plant down right now. If you want me to, I'll get fired, but I'll do it. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to get fired. Um, let's go a different route. So they called the water company and the water company wouldn't do it until Tuesday at the earliest. And in my days of coaching, um, the power company president, uh, which is Jason Bronick with DMEA, 
I coached his son and his son was about two years, was two years younger than Connor, but he's the same age as JT and they played basketball together. And I called Jason and I told him, Jason, they're telling me we can't do this and I need to get my son back. And um, about 20 minutes later, I got a call back from Jason and he said that they would shut it off at one o'clock on Monday afternoon, May 5th. Um, about 15 minutes later, the sheriff comes down and says, hey, I've got good news, sort of. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to shut the water off and we're going to get him out today. So um, the plan was at 1 o'clock, they'd shut the power plant off and they would start a diversion program around the, the edge that it would drain the pond enough that hopefully it could get in and at least be safe. Um it was about the longest 20 minutes or 12 hours of my life waiting for this. And so at one o'clock they shut everything off and they started doing this. And then at about one twenty, one thirty-five, 135, um, after the pond had drained about 15 feet, um, and we found Connor on a rock ledge. Um, yeah I mean if we know pain and we've all gone through pain and we've all lost people that we know um, but it's not the same and you can't you can't imagine the you know, 17 and a half years of his life um the hundreds of thousands of miles that we'd put in, in the car driving. Um, and so I ran around the, around the lake and when we pulled him out, Brian, his arms were folded across his chest and he had space in there. And one of the guys is like, well, it looks like he was trying to hold his dog. I'm like, no, that was the arms of Jesus holding him, comforting him. Uh, he uh, had a grin on his face. And I got to pray with him to hold him one last time and to say goodbye. And that was May 6th. Mother's Day weekend. <laughs> the day before his mother's birthday. We, um, you know, the, the shock is still, still there. Um, the denial was still there. The anger. You know, Connor was... Uh uh, straight A honor student had he had just taken the SAT and scored almost fourteen hundred. Um, I opened his phone that week, and he had over two hundred messages from colleges wanting him to apply early to get into his school um, because of his scores. Uh, you know, he took all AP classes, 
was all league two years in a row for basketball was honorable mention all state last year for basketball. And he wanted to go play in college and that was his goal. And if he wasn't in the gym playing basketball or working, he was helping me coach. He was helping referee for me. Um, He was doing youth clinics you know, people would send me pictures of him helping their kid at the rec center with their basketball shot or their soccer kick or their baseball throw. Um, he was an incredibly talented athlete and that everybody's like, well, how could he do that? And I'm like, he couldn't stand to watch his brother and sister in pain, knowing that he didn't do his best to get Bella out of there to save them from that. And it was, and still is, um, the hardest thing I've ever, ever had to deal with. I've gone through divorce. I've lost my dad. We've lost friends. You know, you and I have buried a friend. Right. And I still miss Jeff. <laughs> I still miss our buddy Jeff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, holy cow, it's 80, 87, 30, 33, 30, 33, 32 years. Yeah. Yep. And it'll be next this month 33 years. Or 32. And, you know, and I, I question, you know, of why. You know, I was so angry and I was yelling and screaming at God. And why would he let this happen? Um, Connor had so much potential and was such a good kid um, to his brothers, to his friends. Um, so smart, so athletically talented, so academically talented, and just wise. And, you know, I was just pissed off of buddy, why would you be so stupid jumping into this? And I honestly think that he knew that he knew he couldn't get out. Um, I've taken videos of this. There's, you know, if you were an Olympic swimmer, you still wouldn't have gotten out because there was no way to get out. The water was flowing too fast. The current, the suction undertow was too much. And you know, and everybody's like, well, God has a plan with this. And I know that, but it's hard to see that. It's hard to understand. Yeah, well, here's, yeah, I, and people say those things all the time because they don't know what else to say. And, yeah. and they think it's comforting. At the same time, you wonder, yeah, the plan makes sense that God needed him more on the other side. But sometimes you wish God would give you a little more clue as to why. Yeah. And he just he just lets you flounder and figure out that's that's frustrating as hell. And and you know why? There's so many buttholes in the world. Why doesn't he take them? Exactly. I know that's a rude statement too. And, and maybe exactly. I, I have a theory. I have a theory that he takes people that in, that impact so many others because in their 
in the wake of their loss, maybe those other people that were inspired by them will do, will improve their lives. And, and that's my theory. And that is, that's my hope. That's my prayers. That's, you know, we, we had the service and there was about 1500 people in attendance they ended up live streaming this service because there was so many people that I knew in SoCal growing up still. Yeah. And, you know, there was, we had teachers that I had taught with that were, one of the guys was in Cambodia and he was able to wow. watch this, this live stream and the service for Connor. And, you know, we've, we've gone through this and I've, as a teacher, I've gone through this with other kids. Brian, we had teams and coaches from all over Western Colorado that came to his funeral, to his service. Um, basketball teams, soccer teams, uh, coaches that had only coached him for a season or two, or even that in club. Um, you know, Montrose is a small town and Connor was bigger than this and he would play on teams in Grand Junction. He would play on teams in Crested Butte. He would play on teams in Denver. And, um, and that's the hardest part is we had so many memories and, you know, one, one wise person told me, he goes, Matt, You've done more in 17 years than most dads ever get to do in a lifetime. And I'm like, that's true. But we had so much more to do. Yeah. So much more. He was going to be a senior this year, class of 2020. Um, so we've started a scholarship fund in his name. And uh, we'll give out athletic academic scholarships for students who want to pursue those goals. And that's going to be one way that he affects other people. Um, there's stories on forevermist.com. If you search Connor Imus of classmates, and he was never one to talk. You know, he's a typical boy. How was your day? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. Okay, yeah. thanks. You know, and that's, yeah, thanks that's, for that. Nothing. Yeah, and, you know, and these stories that kids are sharing of him opening the door or showing someone how to get to class or just having a smile and a wave for somebody in the hallway that was struggling. And those are the things that's like, wow. You know, it's why <laughs> but wow yeah i mean you mentioned all the academics and the sports and that's awesome but i think the things that you probably touch your heart the most is the little things that you get to help others to to be to be an angel among people you probably and, you probably saved many lives just with this kindness that we'll never know about and and that's that's the biggest thing um you know, we would, we'd go into conferences with teachers 
it was never about his grades. It was, is he being a good kid? Is he respectful? Is he helpful? Is he kind? Is he arrogant? You know, and it would be, no. He's the, <laughs> the most studious, nice kid that we have. And half the time he comes into class and his homework is done before class, class starts. And he's helping other kids. And he's helping me. And I have a hard time trying to challenge him. Um, his AP physics and AP calc pre-calc teacher, um, the first two tests that he gave in both classes, Connor didn't miss a single point. And he's like, well, no way, that's not possible, you know? We're gonna pause for a quick timeout. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It is so stinking easy. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will not be disappointed. And we're back. And that's, you know, that's way more important than any of the other accolades. Um you know, we had, oh my gosh, probably 40 pages of stuff from the newspapers with articles that he's been in and um, with sports. And so we, I wanted to do a memorial site for him just so I could go back and look at it and read things. And that's, that's what's given me a ton of little uplifting is... Um, I'll go onto a site at forevermist.com and then just read the stories that other adults have put on there, other kids have put on there, just about what Connor meant to them, um, maybe how he helped or encouraged them somehow. And maybe that was God's plan. Um, maybe that's what he was doing. And you know, maybe it was. But then you're, but, but then you're thinking, you're like, if this kid, I mean, obviously this kid was phenomenal. He was, he was like an angel on earth. Why not let him live longer? Let him do more and impact more people here. Nope. <laughs> that's that's where the, I think that's a legitimate, honest question, man. And God has to understand. That is, and and then I then I think back on, uh, you know, the suffering that Christ went through, and I'm like. <laughs> This is nothing compared to that, but it's at the same time, you know, I've always, I've always thought I knew pain and I always thought I dealt with things really well and there's nothing like it. Um, There was many a days that I, uh, after I quit teaching, I started working at our rec center and Connor would be in there shooting and. I'd walk up and he'd be 
coaching some kid up of, you know, okay, shoot this way or dribble this or do these drills. Um, you know, and that, that site is an area where I go just to read and go, wow, you know, I was, I was really lucky to get to have this kid for as long as I did. And yeah, that's, that's the miracles uh, going, going back to when our friend Jeff Weaver died. I remember one thing that was said at his funeral and it was said by Greg Hawkins. I don't know if you remember it. He said, we were the lucky ones. We knew him. Yep. And that's, that's, that's what this sounds like a lot. Yeah. And, you know, and, and even from the loss of Jeff, you know, I've spoken to thousands of kids um, doing adolescent classes with boys and their dads, um, pre-puberty stuff. And in the eight, 14 years that I was at Mariners Christian School in Southern Cal, I probably did 10 to 15 a year. So we're looking at, 50, you know, 150 to 200 of these talks with anywhere from 20 to 60 to 70 boys. And at every single one, Jeff came up because I talked about one mistake. Um, you know, Jeff would, you know, you rode with him. I rode with him. He would never get in his car without a seatbelt on. Oh, I know. That's the irony of that whole situation. He would never start his car and drive without his seatbelt on. And, you know, because of a decision, he was not thinking correctly and one one decision changed his life and it changed our lives yeah and you know so there's thousands and thousands of kids in southern california that have heard the story about jeff um what i'm hoping is there's going to be thousands and thousands of kids that have heard the story about connor um our our local area has the fourth grade water conservation course that the kids all take in school and they've never talked about water safety. They talk about water conservation. They talk about water uses, how the water gets here. And this year their, their talk was the week after Connor. And this was the first year that they've ever talked about water safety. Um, there's no signs on our canals, none. Um, and I was doing a bunch of research and, I want to get that changed. Um, like I said, you know, we've, we've got canals everywhere. You've got them in Utah. We've got them in yeah. every state. Um, and they're wide open. But the area that Connor went in, it wasn't an area like a, a normal canal. It was an area that if you enter this area, you will die. And yeah, um, I've taken that to our, our water board. It took them about three months, but they finally did put a sign up there of, if you enter this area, you will die. That's a good sign. And to have there, just don't be, don't be, don't mince words about it. Just say, yeah, you come in here, you're, you're dead. And, and that's it. And that's exactly what it is. It's, it's not a question of if it's yes, you will, because the current, the water temperature at, you know, 45 degrees. If even if you could swim, like I said, if if you were an Olympic swimmer, you could not have swam out of the the area that he went in. And you know, and I'm hoping that if somebody else ever faced that situation, that they would remember Connor and remember, you know, that 
let the dog go. Yeah, you love it, but it's a dog. Um, you know, but he was the kind of kid that he was thinking of his brother and sister and going, I can't come home without this dog. And I, I wish he would have. <laughs> I, I would have dealt with that much better. And it would have been sad, but it wouldn't have been a tragedy. Right. It's, you know, so my hope is be, be um, maybe they'll get into a situation or they'll think about that. Um, we talked about that at his memorial service. The night we found them, there was, they had already planned a vigil at the high school and you know, there was probably six, 800 people there that were getting together to pray that we would find Connor. And we did. Um, and I just reminded the kids it's, it, we aren't guaranteed anything. And no matter how careful and, and I hate to say this, Connor never thought that anything bad ever happened and could happen. And he was always like, you know, I'd tell him about stories about guys driving by and trying to grab kids and this and this. And he's like, dad, it's Montrose. Nothing bad ever happens here. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're in a small town. We're protected. We're nothing bad ever happens. I'm like, Connor, it does. Bad things happen to good people. Yeah. And it could be you making a bad decision. It could be you driving down the road and somebody else makes a bad decision and runs you over or runs into you or shoots at somebody else that they're trying to hurt and you're standing there. You know, bad things happen to everybody. And, you know, as, as a father, I would, I would instantly trade places. As a human being, you know, I've always thought, you know, if I hate somebody or, you know, even my worst enemy, I, I wouldn't wish that on him. Um, just the pain, the numbness. It's, uh, it's crazy. How is, uh, how your other siblings, your other siblings, your other, siblings, your other children? <laughs> my, my siblings were devastated as well. Um, yes, of course. We, we haven't had anything like this in the family. I mean, we lost dad, but you, you expect to lose your parents yeah, well, when they're when in they're their 80s. Yes. Um, JT's pretty stoic and tries to tell me that nothing bothers him and everything's good and Sarah struggled a lot and still does at times you know his room is empty um, well it's not empty he, we have <laughs> the, the basketball team retired his jersey and framed it and hung it for us so we've had a huge community support. Um, both kids have a great friend group that I know pretty well, and I know their parents pretty well. And so they've, they've got that with teachers and coaches and support, and they know that they can talk, but they don't. And so that's, that's my concern is that, you know, we're going to bury this and, 10 years from now it's going to come up in, in ways that 
JT didn't really realize and recognize. Oh, it buried like buried, buried his emotions buried, and yeah, stuff to to bury to yeah. bury those feelings. You know, we try to talk about it once in a while, and he just pushes it off and doesn't want to talk. And you know, so we'll talk about counseling later and give it a little bit more time. You know, it's been four months. And, you know, well, like I said, you know, the the community has been great. Um, A bunch of people put together a a softball fundraiser and they, they do tap nights. One of the local breweries does tap nights and, you know, they'll donate a dollar per beer. And one of the business owners did a silent auction and, you know, that night raised almost $10,000 for Connor's scholarship fund. And it's, it's the outpouring and the love, um, being a coach and teacher and now working for the rec department. I, I come, I come in contact with almost everybody in town and everybody in town, if they don't know me, they knew Connor or they had watched him play because that's what you do in small towns. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's crazy just to see, um, but it's still, still numb. You know, I still, I know he's gone, but I'll come in and I'll sleep in his room sometimes. I'll look at pictures and I'll think, you know, oh, he's over at his mom's or, or he's gone on a trip and he'll be back. And, oh, we're going to get ready for basketball season or, oh, this, this was going to be the year. And all those memories that we won't have now. And it just, yeah. Just burnt. It rips it out, rips the scab off again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I try to work and keep my mind off it as much as possible, but I work where he spent so much time that there's you see him you see him everywhere yeah, there's every you know we were this weekend um, JT's still playing soccer and we were in Denver and saw kids that Connor had played against when he was growing up and playing in Denver and did the same road trip with Connor three years ago when he was a freshman and it's crazy. It's uh, so many memories and so many different places. And it's, uh, it's just everything, the little things, the big things, you know, there'll be, there'll be times when I'm driving into work and I'll, I'll hear a song and I drive into the parking lot at work and we've got the gym where Connor was always at. And I turn right back around and I go home and, I shoot my coworker a text and say, you know, I'll be in when I can be in today. And and they're supportive of that because they know, you know, they knew Connor. He worked for him. <laughs> they, they saw his interaction with other kids and how he treated other kids and other people. Maybe they'll be a hundred other Connors sprouting up 
because of the Im- impact that he had. Well, that's that's all we can hope for. <laughs> that's all. That's that's what gives me hope. Is that somewhere, you know, his his life has impacted another kid, either for Christ or another kid to be kind to someone that was in need, so that that kid didn't commit suicide. Yeah, absolutely. Because that that's yeah, that's huge. I tell my kids every day we have a little hashtag. It's uh, B A F T T F. It's be a friend of the friendless. Um, and I tell them that every day. Go find someone. Pray for an opportunity to find someone or you that you can hear their cries, yeah. or their prayers, and and be that. Just the little things because you just have no idea. No. You know what what people are going through. Well, and, you know every person, our, everybody's got a story. Yep. And our community's been rocked by that in the last. In the week after Connor, there was a kid that died in a car crash in a local t- in a town about an hour away. The next week, there was a suicide. In the next month, we had four, and it wasn't suicide. Four suicides. Four suicides, and in less than six weeks, after all, this was all after Connor, and it was like, wow, you know, what is, what is going on? What evil is out there just trying to destroy everything? Or that, yeah, that's yeah, that's a, that's a whole other topic. Yep. Getting to a point where you think that that's your only option. Yeah. And it wasn't just high school kids. It was, you know, younger adults, older adults. It's, it's crazy. Maybe, that's, maybe, maybe had they met your son, they wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy time that we're living in right now. And yeah. Amen, for sure. Wow. Well, it, at at the risk of wrapping this up, um, is any any like final takeaway? You know, for someone that's that's gone through or that's going through this, or or I don't you know. I don't even know what the question I'm trying to ask is, but <laughs> oh. what would you tell to someone else that's going through this, uh, I, or or maybe someone who's not, but someone still has all their kids? Um, you know, you know, as as a parent who has both, and you know, Cooper was born four days before Connor's 18th birthday, and you know, the joy of one is the sadness of another, and. You know, as as a parent, there's so many times that we're just like, okay, go leave us alone. <laughs> Give me a few minutes. Give me some space. You guys go take care of this on your own. Um, yeah. You know, we can do this later. And you can't. <laughs> you're not guaranteed that. Um, you're not guaranteed the later. You're not guaranteed the later. You're not guaranteed that even if you had the time that they would want to. So enjoy that time um it's precious remember those um connor used to get so mad at me because i would always take pictures and you know post our travels and stuff on facebook and you know how many times that facebook's memories have popped up and it's been of something that we've done together and it's like oh yeah i forgot about that 
Yeah, so the moral to that story is don't listen don't to your listen. kids. Do it, do it anyway. anyway. <laughs> Post as, take as many pictures as you can. Um, if you're not embarrassing them, you are not being a proper <laughs> parent. Yes, my daughter uh, reminds me of that every day. Cause how, I, how old is she? Uh, she is 14 and a half. But, oh, yeah, she's at the perfect age where you're just an annoying uh, fresh, robot. Freshman in high school, and I, uh, ah, yes. I had to drop some stuff off at the high school last week, and it was before school, and she's like, Dad, don't get out of the car. And I'm like, I've, Sarah, I got to go in because I got to go give this to this, these two teachers. And I'm following her up, and Sarah, Sarah, and she's like, Dad, be quiet. Leave me alone. Dad, go away. Dad, nah. And, you know, be invisible, Dad. Yeah. And as we walk by, she goes over, and all of her girlfriends are sitting there. And these are girls that I've either coached or, you know, Sarah's played a ton of sports with or they've grown up together in school and they're all, Hey, Mr. Imus. And you know, they come up and give me a hug and a high five and ask me what I'm doing. And Sarah's like, dad, go away. And I'm like, she's, yeah, she's rolling her eyes. Yeah. And she's just, and I'm, I'm loving it because I know that her friends know who I am and accept me for who I am. The, the goofy guy that comes up to them and, gives them a high five or yells at them on the sidelines to go do something different your friends your friends parents are always cooler than your oh mom. yeah yeah so you're sounds like you're doing it exactly <clears throat> right so but you know and it's hard um you meet other other parents that have dealt with the loss of a child and you didn't know you know if it if you didn't know about it and they're encouraging, but at the same time, everybody processes it differently. Um, like I said, you know, I'm still numb. Um, I still have days where, oh, you know, he'll be home tonight. What are we going to do? Um, where are we going this weekend? What games do we have? And it's, it's like, wow, Matt, we don't. We just have memories now. <clears throat> so it's hard um, it's like you don't want the memories but you want the memories yeah. yeah the memories tear your heart out every time but without those you wouldn't you wouldn't have how, that, the oh, love and you wouldn't have those good times how, bo- how boring that would be if you didn't exactly. have those <laughs> you know That's um, good, good pain I guess yeah and it's it's so crazy to you know you never expect that you never think that it could happen to you oh no no you don't and then you know the old saying says oh live like live like it's your last days and you hear that all the time but i don't think any of us do that i don't no you think it you think that's a great idea sounds good but uh... (laughs) and you don't do it very often if we do and Mm. you know that's at the service and at the memorial and at the vigil, I'm like, I was just trying to remind the kids, you know, go hug your mom and dad, tell them that you love them. Cause we're not guaranteed that tomorrow. We're not guaranteed that tonight. You know, make, make it count, be a friend. Like I love your saying of be a friend to the friendless. That's, that's what we need. And that's what so much is lacking with kids these days is we're so wrapped up in what we're doing that we don't think of other people 
and yep we're all busy with our own things yep and we we need to realize that and see that and realize that hey you know i can i can do this for someone else and it's a reward for me yeah absolutely it's kind of a selfish motivation yep to serve someone else as as ironic as that sounds yeah it is well matt i i really appreciate you taking the time to to share this not easy of course that's a given what's the uh what's the website and i'll put it in my show notes but what's the website that people can go Um, check it's forevermist.com and then just search connor imus okay perfect and uh you know, we, we still have a GoFund up for him. And I throw that up on my Facebook, too, of, you know, our, our goal is to send at least two or three kids to college and give them some money that will help them. Um, Connor was always worried about how he was going to afford college. And, you know, I knew between academics and athletics that it would get a lot of it, but it wouldn't cover everything. And he was worried about that. He was a planner. Um, and so, you know, our goal is that if we can help as many kids as we can, we want to do that and uh, open it up to to all kids that want to pursue their dreams, um, pursue those goals, but need that little extra help. Right. Exactly. Well, that's an, that's an awesome thing that you guys are doing, and so that's going to so. definitely, you know, preserve his memory and it will not be in vain yeah, yeah and then you know then the, the final thing we're doing is trying to get some kind of safety laws or even just awareness um of how dangerous the canals are to the kids you know because if a straight a smart 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 kid doesn't realize how powerful that water is you know, a younger kid that doesn't even think about it, you know, yeah, he's, what, what, he's had the physics classes, he know he knows what the power of that water was. And, you know, if we can make it safe or even prevent and put barriers up to prevent animals or anything from getting into those areas, uh, yeah. like I said, you know, it, it's, it wasn't a typical, typical wide, slow canal that you think of. It's, it was a death zone, and once once that decision was made by him to, to get in, there was no getting out. Yeah. So if we can keep one other kid out of there, then then not, it's not in vain completely. Trying to so yeah, try, trying to steer our, steer steer a steamship, you know one. A little tiny bit at a time. Yeah. And trying to change bureaucracy is going to be an uphill battle because there's five different governmental agencies that have control of or access to that waterway. Right. So, yeah, therein lies a whole nother topic of conversation. Yep. You know, it's like pushing a rope. (laughs) Yes, it is. So, well, all right, Peter, man. Well, uh, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. No, no, no worries. Um, but thank you for doing this, Brian. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing it. And uh, like I said, I, I, you know, someone it's going to help somebody. That's all I can pray for. Yeah. Somewhere, somehow, sometime, you know, some kid realizes, oh, don't do that. Or, oh, I, you know, I, I can be a good friend to that person that nobody wants to be yeah. friends with or people are making fun of and stand up for them. That, you know, that, 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 is, was, that is huge. And that's something that will always be among us, I think. Is, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the stories is. <laughs> Um, one of the moms, Connor, babysat these three kids in our neighborhood, and you know one of one of the moms came up to me, and it was their mom, and she's like, "Oh, I love your son so much." You know, he he came up in a, a game, sat next to my son, and was encouraging him, and explaining the game and talking to him, and all of his teenage friends were there, and they were just laughing and making fun, and. Connor didn't care. He just came up and sat next to him because he wanted to. And that just made my, my kids day. And, you know, and those, those three kids have, <laughs> they made Connor birthday cards and dropped him off at my door on his birthday. So he's, he's made an impact on those three and that family. And now JT babysits for them as well. <laughs> yeah. So his impact is incalculable. Yep. Yep. And someday, you know, we have that promise that we'll be with them again. I like the plan. Makes sense to me. Yep. All right, Matt, we'll reach out if you need anything and uh, I'll get this all wrapped up and uh, we'll get it live for you and let you listen to it. And hopefully it can inspire and uplift somebody. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. 